0: This is Spy Gals, a podcast made by young women to help encourage and facilitate the conversation around national security amongst young people.
1: Just as a disclaimer before we start, we wanted to say that we've spent a lot of time researching our topic and have done our best to learn the correct pronunciation of the non-English words we use. That being said, we apologize if we unintentionally mispronounce any of these words. Thank you for listening to our podcast. I'm Alex. And I'm Sarah Beth. And today we're gonna be talking about terrorist groups and how they're related to failed states. So research has shown that countries considered weak, fragile, or failing have an increased presence of terrorist groups and terrorist attacks. Fragile states have historically been good environments for terrorist groups to grow and develop. And as we will hear later, if a nation isn't already failed or fragile, terrorist group expansion sometimes results in the host nation collapsing into fragile state status. So Alex, what exactly is a fragile state?
0: so a country is declared as fragile when the government can't control the people and territory they are unable to protect their own boundaries and the government is completely unsuccessful the united nations declares a country a failed state the top fragile states of 2019 as established by the fragile states index are yemen somalia south sudan syria the congo the central african republic Chad, Sudan, and Afghanistan.
1: There are several ways that terrorist groups can gain traction in fragile states. Because fragile states usually have corrupt and ineffective law enforcement, the groups are able to organize, train, plan logistics, and set up networks with little to no interference from the government. The groups are able to exploit what are known as stateless areas or regions of the nation that aren't policed at all, as was the case in the creation of the Taliban in Afghanistan.
0: Failed and fragile states also typically have a large pool of potential recruits. The people in the country have no faith in their government, so they turn to extremism to solve their problems. This is called basic human insecurity by terrorism experts, and they define it as a lack of infrastructure, making the communities and networks in terrorist groups more appealing.
1: So today we're going to focus on terrorist groups that came out of the Soviet war in Afghanistan which led to the collapse of Afghanistan into fragile state status. In 1978, a Soviet-backed communist government took power in Afghanistan. Anti-communist Muslim rebels quickly began to fight back against the communist regime, so the Soviet Union entered Afghanistan to support the government. The rebels, called Mujahideen, or holy warriors, rose up against the Soviets and their puppet government, and the country erupted into civil war, the government against the people.
0: The first group we're going to be discussing today is Al-Qaeda. Responsible for the September 11th attack and many others, Al-Qaeda is one of the most recognized terrorist groups in the world. However, the average person probably doesn't know how the group got its start. So where exactly did Al-Qaeda come from?
1: So first off, in terms of fragile states, because of the Soviet war, Afghanistan definitely could have been considered extremely fragile because the nation's government was unable to exert any kind of control over its people. The conflict between the government and the people brought young Muslims from all around the world to Afghanistan, including Osama bin Laden. Bin Laden came from a really wealthy family. He was the son of a Saudi construction magnate and the 17th of 57 children. If I'm being honest, I really only wanted to include that because that's a lot of kids. Um, But anyway, when he got to Afghanistan in 1979, Bin Laden used his family's wealth and connections to support the anti-Soviet rebels. At first, he did this mostly through networking and bringing supplies and arms to the rebels. The civil war ended in 1988 with the rebels winning. Then Bin Laden and a cleric called Azam created Al-Qaeda, which means base or foundation as a headquarters for future jihads. What did they do after founding al-Qaeda? After bin Laden and Azam founded the organization, they began to make more connections and expand their network even more. Staying in Afghanistan gave them a great home base because the country was still extremely weak after the civil war, so they could mostly go about their business unnoticed.
0: I think I heard something somewhere about al-Qaeda moving to Sudan. What do you know about that?
1: Yeah, so in 1989, a Sudanese political leader called Hassan al-Tarabi, who was in charge of the National Islamic Front, which had recently taken power in Khartoum, asked if bin Laden would move to Sudan to help him in a war against African Christian separatists and improve roads in Sudan. In return, Tarabi would let bin Laden use Sudan as a base for all of al-Qaeda's operations. At this time, bin Laden actually moved from Afghanistan back to his home country of Saudi Arabia, while his business partners began to buy land in Sudan. But he eventually moved to Sudan in 1991 and set up an extensive network of businesses and terrorist organizations throughout Africa, the Middle East, and Asia. Sudan, which was engrossed in a civil war from 1985 to 2005 and considered a fragile state, was the ideal place for al-Qaeda to organize, expand, recruit, and train because of the turmoil in the state and the large pool of recruits.
0: Interesting, and Al-Qaeda eventually moved back to Afghanistan in 1996 after the Taliban took power and offered them refuge. The group began attacking in 1992 with the bombing of hotels in Yemen, culminating with the September eleventh, two 2001 attack in New York. They also made alliances with several other terrorist groups during that time, right?
1: Yep, they allied themselves with the Taliban, who had taken power in Afghanistan after Al-Qaeda had left, and with lots of other groups, including the one I want to talk about next, called GSPC.
0: GSPC is based in Africa, right? What's the backstory behind their emergence?
1: Okay, so by January of 1992, there had been five years of calls from Algerian youth for reform of the government's leading party, the National Liberation Front, or FLN. Then the Islamic Salvation Front, or FIS, the mainstream and hugely popular Muslim political party, won a general election by an overwhelming margin. The acronyms are a little weird because they're actually made from the French names for the parties. Anyway, instead of FLN, which was desperate to keep its power, accepting the election results, they canceled the results of the voting, banning the FIS, and arresting its leaders.
0: Oh no, I can tell this isn't (laughs) going to be good.
1: No, definitely not. At this point, the government then declared a state of national emergency, using a combination of reforms and oppression to try and keep the population pacified.
0: And then, this is where we declare Algeria a fragile state, since the government was trying to control its people, and they were ultimately failing. Yeah, and the people
1: fought back in a huge way. The ban on FIS led to the creation of several Islamic extremist groups, including the Armed Islamic Group, or AIG, that wanted to destroy the current government and establish an Islamic state. After a couple of years of AIG activity and one of the bloodiest and most violent civil wars in history, several leaders of the group broke off to form GSPC, the Salafist Group for Preaching and Combat. Again, the acronym's a little strange since it's technically in French. So why did they break off? The new leaders formed GSPC because they were reluctant to condone AIG's level of violence. That's slightly ironic considering they quickly became the most active terrorist group in Algeria.
0: And how are they related to Al-Qaeda?
1: Most of GSPC's leaders had been radicalized during the Soviet war in Afghanistan, which had given rise to al-Qaeda, and as a result, those leaders knew bin Laden or his associates. The group's leader, Abdelmalek Drukdel, is thought to idolize Abu Masab al-Zarqawi, an associate of bin Laden and founder of ISIS, who was killed in 2006. Also in 2006, in a move to increase publicity and recruitment, as well as increase legitimacy by tying itself to one of the most well-known terrorist organizations in the world, GSPC allied itself with Al-Qaeda, renaming the group Al-Qaeda and the Islamic Maghreb, or as it is commonly referred to, AQIM. AQIM was most violent in 2007, but it's remained active since then.
0: Okay, so now to go back a little bit, we are now going to be talking about another one of the most powerful terrorist groups. It is the Taliban, and they emerged in August of 1994, 15 years after Al-Qaeda originated. So how exactly did the Taliban rise to power? After the Soviet war, the victor of the conflict, the Mujahideen, brought back their ruling to Afghanistan. But as it turns out, the ruling of the Mujahideen was actually extremely harsh. When the people of Afghanistan began realizing how bad the situation actually was, a group, first as a small group of students, emerged who were angered by the chaotic rule of the Mujahideen. They then became known as the Taliban.
1: That's so interesting, I had no idea that
0: the Taliban emerged from such a small number of people. What was their main objective? They mainly wanted to restore peace and security, which at the time made sense because the reason the Taliban came to power was because they were fed up with how the Mujahideen was ruling their country at the time. The fact that their mission, however, was to restore peace is actually super ironic because they began conducting extremely violent attacks almost immediately. Really? When and what was their first attack? The first attack was in August of 1994. The Taliban marched and captured the city of Kandahar. Their actions were so powerful that after this conflict, Kandahar became the capital of the Taliban government. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty scary the amount of influence they had. By 1998, they had achieved so much destruction that they were in control of nearly 90% of Afghanistan.
1: That's crazy. I can't believe they could do that in a country that has 250,000 square miles of territory.
0: Yeah, like al-Qaeda, the Taliban was ready to destroy anything and everything in sight. Moreover, they had been maintaining an alliance with al-Qaeda during this time. After 9-11, the Taliban gave refuge to bin Laden. Obviously, problems emerged from this. When the Taliban refused to give up bin Laden, the U.S. began bombing Taliban military sites. Thus, the Taliban was ultimately ousted from power on October 7, 2001 by the U.S. military. Since the U.S. removed the Taliban from power, they've had a resurgence, right? Yes, that is right. Unfortunately, more recently, the Taliban has had a resurgence, and violence in Afghanistan has reached the high level it was in 2001. Recently, they have conducted attacks on Kabul, and in 2012, they raided NATO's Camp Bastion base. The United States is currently holding 10,000 troops in Afghanistan. So what's going to happen now? In 2018, the Taliban and the United States had their first meeting together and have continued to attempt to establish a relationship. The discussions focused on the United States removing troops from Afghanistan. The United States hoped that eventually the Taliban would get to the point of being willing to negotiate with the U.S. government. In July of this year, the U.S. achieved their goal and convinced the Taliban to do so. In early September, the Taliban and the United States had nearly come to an agreement when the Taliban attacked and killed a U.S. service member in Kabul. From that point, a meeting between the top U.S. and Taliban government officials was officially canceled. I also remember learning that the U.S. actually supported the Taliban. Is that true? Essentially, however, it's a little more complicated than that. When the Soviets occupied Afghanistan during the Soviet War, Jimmy Carter made a promise in the late 1970s to aid the Afghan guerrillas against the occupation. He did not consider, however, that his support would ultimately lead to the collapse of the Soviet Union and in turn, the emergence of the Taliban. That's so interesting. I can't believe that the fragile
1: state of Afghanistan caused such a powerful terrorist group to emerge.
0: After conducting a lot of research, Sarah Beth and I definitely agree with the fact that fragile states lead to the emergence of terrorist groups. Our question now is, how is the United States addressing this issue? Is the U.S. government taking a stand? We investigated possible answers to
1: our questions and discovered that in 2003, after multiple terrorist groups appeared in fragile states, the CIA identified over 50 lawless areas around the world that could be prone to illegal activity and then began to investigate those areas in the hopes of preventing any more terrorist groups emerging in the
0: midst of fragile states. And after this, Secretary of State Colin Powell established the Office of Reconstruction and Stabilization within the State Department, which worked with the National Intelligence Council to identify states at risk of collapse where the United States could begin conflict prevention early on before the states collapsed. Evidently, the United States is addressing the issue of fragile states and how they relate to terrorist groups. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it and learned something too.